1: From lunch through to tea, this is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ.
2: Three minutes after 12, Mark Watson in for Mark Stafford, taking your call through to four o'clock this afternoon. The telephone number is 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. You can text us here on double eight double three. Looking forward to having your company. The lines are open. We will talk rugby league this afternoon. We will talk some water polo. We'll talk some basketball. We have an eclectic mix to look forward to. We've got Sam and Finn, part of the production team. Apparently I'm the masterpiece. They want to enhance me. To do that, they're the light, they're the frame. Sam Hewitt, good afternoon,
1: welcome. Watto, how are
2: you? Very good, thank you. Nice to have Welcome to the Jungle being played. Very, very very disappointed that Ian Smith stole it yesterday morning.
1: Yeah, look, uh, conversations were had with uh, the, Smithy the big wigs. No, well, no, with no, the big wigs, actually. You can a
2: member of the MCC. It doesn't give you rights to take my guns and roses. I went all
1: the way to the top. <laughs> went all the way. Is he still in there? Listening He's still in there. there? <laughs> He's
2: just waving his tie up there on the wall. I still want to know what the cap in the middle, in the middle shelf is that looks like a Barbarians-type cap. No, the one below, Smithy. The one below. That one. Yes, that one. I'm trying to work out what cap that is. He's about to show it to me. Okay, it's uh, Hawke's Bay Cricket Association, is it?
1: There we go. Brilliant. Lovely. Great little conversation you two are having this. I know. Uh, he he can't um, talk to me and I'm looking him via a monitor. <laughs> <laughs> great way to start the show. Excellent. Are yeah, we going to no, be... Are we be hey,
2: Marcel Marceau. Uh, uh, who's, yeah. your, who's your uh, co-host today, Marcel Marceau, the great French mime?
1: Mm, are we going to... Um, Continue the trend that happened late yesterday, or are we going to pick it up? radio. <laughs> <laughs> are we going to pick it up? Are uh, you we know, going to pick it up? here? because it's a uh, funny
2: kind of way. It was, it, you know, when I say it's all for radio, it's actually it's good radio, but it's just it's good radio because it's just a bit of banter. You know what I mean? It was just a bit of banter. It's a good banter. It's great banter. A
1: couple of ramp shots and uh, you know, a couple of quick sixes and out for, out for less than a hundred. Hey, some
2: interesting stories that you drew my attention to. That <clears throat> test cricket could end up just being five playing nations. There is such a drive now for T20 tournaments driven very much by those that run the IPL and I see Saudi Arabia are not too far away from maybe launching the most expensive the most valuable T20 cricket tournament in the world which again would probably make a lot of players millionaires overnight and so the rest of the cricket is almost going to have to give way and that there will be a test window to simply try and fit everything in I don't like it but I don't think we've got any control over it. All I'll say is the players have no value without international cricket. They need to audition somewhere. They need to, they need to build their reputations on what they do at an international level. But cricket is under siege, and I'm not sure what the solution is. I know there was an article too in Australia where They feel over there, it's going to be get to a situation where the players are going to have to go and seek permission from the IPL owners to actually go and play international cricket, not the other way around. I just wonder
1: how sustainable T20 cricket is in the long term. Well, I'll bring up two points that we've uh, discussed out in the office. What are the first one is a point that you made around cricket not really knowing what it wants to be. It wants to capture all three of markets in terms of T Twenty, Test, and ODI. When clearly there's no no proper way of doing that. I think it, it's become to it's gotten to the point where you can't you, you can't have international T Twenty ODI Test all at the same sort of level bravado at the same time with the same amount of emphasis, you, you really can only pick maybe two of them, I think. And that then goes to my second point. And that's that T twenty really should just be a it should just be a franchise and club competition. It shouldn't be international. You shouldn't have international T twenties. So in no T twenty
2: Cricket World Cup once every four Correct.
1: years. No, wouldn't have it. would just can T twenties from the international stage and just make it a domestic mm-hmm. competition for you know, whether it's IPL, Caribbean League, Pakistan League, like football, really.
2: Yeah, look, I'd like to get some thoughts on this. Um, this saddens me. I just think Test cricket is—it's the reason it's called a Test. It's the ultimate Test. I mean, cricketers' def- legacies are defined by what they do at Test match level, not what they do at One Day level, and certainly not what they do at T Twenty cricket. Problem with T Twenty cricket, there's just no sense of nationalism. If you win, maybe you'll win a World Cup, possibly, but you win a series. I mean, how many people remember the Sri Lanka series already? How many repeat? You know, what T Twenty series did we play last year? Can anybody remember them? Does That's anybody a good point. care? They don't, do they? No, but then my test cricket we do. We're still well, frustrated okay. by the way New Zealand played in England last year, even though Daryl Mitchell was brilliant. No Kane Williamson. Well, Kane Williamson came in very late, out of form, because of the IPL. Yeah,
1: but then I would, if I can play devil's advocate a bit, a bit here, because I think you'd get anyone who rings up about this or, or um, vents about it on social media is going to say, I love test cricket, it's the purest form of the game, prefer it over T20, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know... Action speak louder than words. And are you are you turning up to Test cricket matches? Are I, you going to Test match cricket games? Are you what? Are you sitting down on the couch watching all five days? Because that's probably what these play, these organisations are looking at. Well, I did. once product.
2: New Zealand cricket sold it to um, sold it to Spark because I just wasn't prepared to buy another platform to watch my sport. But historically, I would sit down and watch five days of Test cricket at home. I'd certainly have it on in the background. I'd certainly be taking much more of an interest in it. Mm.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm just, like I said, playing devil's advocate for... Clearly, they've got numbers out there that say that Test Cricket isn't financially viable compared to the other two games. That's the only way it's going to move forward. So for all the people like myself who are enamoured with Test Cricket and want that to be the pinnacle...
2: I just don't like the fact that India are going to end up controlling
1: everything. Well, they already
2: do. And I don't don't like, I'd love, you're never going to know, but where is all this money genuinely coming from? If you've lived in India, this is a country that is just built on corruption. It is. The more corrupt you are, the more respected you are. I mean, is this just a means of money laundering? Well... Don't we, know. We, never know, the IP, we
1: well. We never know, but, the, but you're right in the fact that it is very very corrupt. And, and I'm, I remember talking to staff about, um, you know, a lot of sport uh, betting corruption comes out of India. Um, so ironically, because it's illegal to gamble over there, yeah. Exactly, so But, but you said um, you don't want to see them running the game. Well, they basically already do. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. And then they sort of dictated alongside Australia and England, who have the, the two second biggest cricket unions.
2: It'll be interesting too, and this is going to bring me on to my next point. So let's have this competition in Saudi Arabia, and I wonder how many media here are going to jump up and down our cricket is going to play in Saudi Arabia. The same media who had no problem with Lydia Ko winning this year in Saudi Arabia. In fact, nobody said anything around Lydia Ko winning a golf tournament in Saudi Arabia. Let's see if there's consistency, if in fact our cricketers go and play in Saudi Arabia. Yes, we know of all the human rights violations. Understand all of that, particularly around women. All I'm saying from our media, let's be consistent. You can't let Lydia Co. get away with something and then suddenly brandish male cricketers for potentially taking contracts up in Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia, also our 24th highest exporting nation.
1: I was just going to say, what about the shirt that they're wearing on their back that comes from China or, you know, mm. the, uh, the the sweatshop factory Apple products that they have or the Nike shoes?
2: Uh, well, that's it. That, that's the thing. It's easy to pick out certain countries, but you've only got to go and have a look at the American foreign policy. If you do your homework on the American foreign policy, mate, they've been one of the great warmongers of the 20th century and continue to do so, all in the self-interest of the United States. You know, they think United States is under threat. They go and invade um, Iraq. Um, Russia Dude. thinks they're under threat by Ukraine. They go and invade Ukraine, but you're not allowed to do that. How dare you? I mean, that's just a double standard and the hypocrisy in it all. Which brings me on to my next. Well, point. I just want
1: to just want to highlight as well that the are yeah, listening to SCNZ here, not News Talk ZD, No, but, but it's also
2: entertainment, sport, and entertainment. So. Um, I think we're allowed to bring that into the sporting conversation here to bring some context to what we're actually discussing. Uh, look, the other thing is the WTA, who manage women's tennis, for a couple of years they've boycotted China because Peng Shui, former Grand Slam champion, came out and spoke out against the Chinese government and then suddenly almost disappeared and went very quiet. Um, and no one really still knows where she is, what she's up to. And until there was some clarity... The WTA said, look, we're not going to play tournaments in China. Now, two years on, they've decided it's time to move on, even though they still don't have a lot of answers. We still really don't know where Peng Shui is, what her life looks like, whether or not she was punished for her comments or not, but they're going to go back. And why do you think they're going back, Sam?
1: Oh, just because... They want to spread the game of tennis to a lot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but
2: yeah, you know, it's all about the, the money, but, isn't it? You know, and
1: here's the thing, Water, because I think they made the right call a couple of years ago, um, boycotting China. I think it was the right thing to do. But it almost now the point that they're at, where they're happy to say that we're just going to go back, despite not really having evidence to to to, to uh, you know back up why they boycotted in the first place. Just shows me that it probably was lip service in the beginning. And that's what so many sporting organisations are doing nowadays: is they're just making these um, sort of Populist decisions, aren't they, to please the vo- sort of vocal minorities, vocal minority. minority, the vocal minority, and and so to me, this w that this just shows how half-hearted the boycott probably was mm. initially, mm. because like you said, that nothing's changed. But to- with being Shui, they're saying, "Oh, we're going to go back." It's probably because China's come to the party and said, well double how much money you get." It's funny, isn't it, how everybody's
2: minorities suddenly have silenced when money does come into it. We see governments do it all the time. You look at the um, is it the Uyghur minority. Um, who are, I think, Muslims, so, and there's basically been accusations of ethnic cleansing in China, a million people or so, and yet we all turn a blind eye to that, but it's easy to go and pick on Fiji when they have a queue, or it's always easy to go and pick on a country that you don't have any sort of uh, financial um, need for to suddenly look at us, hey, look at us, we're going to go and fight, we're going to stand up for human rights until the money is involved. Uh, 0800-150811 is the number on that so should the WTA go back into China should there be that level of politics in sport cricket how saddened would you be if test cricket was used to just five nations and the global game even at Olympic Games is T20 cricket you'll always get big crowds in India you've got a massive population but we've already seen the big bash in Australia, crowds over there starting to diminish. I'm not sure the crowds are turning up to T20 cricket like they once did. Is T20 cricket a sustainable product? Should countries like India and the IPL have so much control? And should we be putting some rules in around players playing for New Zealand? All or nothing, guys. I mean, it's getting to the point where the players... And the Players' Associations, it's the tail wagging the dog. We've seen it in rugby. Fans miss out. The purists miss out. The players make a lot of money. Oh, 800 Look, it was a really, really um, wonderful day yesterday for the three assistant coaches that were appointed to the Black Ferns. Tony Christie, Steve Jackson and Mike Delaney joining Alan Bunting. You know, key appointments, world championship black ferns, opportunity to celebrate those three men. And what happens? All the media outlets go to Alice Soper, who's a staunch feminist, and suddenly she has to politicise it, basically come out and say that, you know, this just shows that women rugby coaches in this country are not taken seriously and takes the spotlight away from Tony Christie, Steve Jackson and once again politicises the situation. And I just want to read you a little bit of her comments that she's come out in the New Zealand Herald because she simply doesn't get it. Was she bagging Wayne Smith when they win the Women's Rugby World Cup? The reality is there's just not the depth there in women's coaching at the moment. And perhaps they need to do more work in that area in terms of bringing women's coaches through. But you've got to have the best coaches in place, whether they're male or female. Particularly when it comes to a national team. This is what she says. She goes, All, so she goes, I'll read you parts of the article. There is no surprise. With across the 13 provinces competing in the 2022 Farrah Palmer Cup, only two second tier sides had women head coaches. If you take into account assistants and skills coaches, seven more provinces had women in their team, four provinces featured none. All but one of these women who are developing in the Farrah Palmer Cup pipeline have played international rugby. They have won World Cups, in some cases multiple times. They include a member of the World Rugby Hall of Fame and a former New Zealand Player of the Year. They have run community rugby and helped launch rugby programmes in other countries. They have had day jobs as teachers or run physiotherapy clinics. Every one of them has played the provincial rugby they are now trying to coach. What all this experience is worth, though, is clearly still not valued by those making appointments. The best person for the job, folks, the best person for the job, folks will argue. But when it comes to these appointments, with all the coaching badges collated and time put in on the pitch, it becomes a personal decision on who you trust to take the lead. Some might say it's confidence or coaching style, not understanding the intersection of cultural nuances that will see these women lead differently. Some might say it's technical aspects or experience, in their mind elevating achievements in the men's game over that of women. We can be a lot more ambitious than that. We must be in order to retain the talent already pumping through the pipeline. The challenge is for folks to hold space and let women rise to the positions of leadership. Alice has got to get into the real world. You've got to have the best coaches in place. This was a very well-appointed interview panel with a number of female players or former players as part of the interview panel. Stop politicising everything. You know, I think it was maybe the Alice Sopas and other female journalists last you telling us that a million people would be watching Alpaki Super Rugby this year, which is not the case. Alice should be out there working out how she can get, what strategy she can use to get the two and a half million women in this country turning up and watching women's rugby. I am over everything politicised when it comes to women's sport. You're doing the women a disservice, you're doing the sport a disservice. Yes, we need to draw attention to the pathways. Yes, we maybe need to draw attention to maybe some of the disparities that exist. But you just can't fast track people into the top jobs to make a statement. It's not right. Okay, it is... What's the word? It. Well, it's it, it's basically a form of prejudice, isn't it? You prejudice actually better qualified people. 0800 150811, if you wish to find the program. Taking your calls, you can text us here on uh, 5-8833. is the text number. Anything else you wish to discuss? Big weekend of rugby coming up. Chiefs Hurricanes, I'm going to pick the Hurricanes for the upset. How important are these next two games for the Warriors in the context of their season as well? I'd argue must-win game tomorrow against the Cowboys. If they lose tomorrow... I can't see them beating Melbourne in the following week. Are oh, well, we already at that point in the season, knowing what the Warriors have done in recent times? Started the season brilliantly four and two. Week's time potentially could be four wins, four losses. We're from there. I'm gonna suggest the next two games are vital for the Warriors in their season. Oh eight hundred. One 811 is the number. 26 minutes after 12, you are listening to SENZ. Telephone numbers is 0800 150811. You can text us here on 8833. Um, yeah, so I've put a couple of topics out there. Uh, seem, not, doesn't seem to have generated that much interest in it, uh, which is interesting. But just going back to this, you know, sport and boycotting countries because of political issues, as in the case with Peng Shui and the WTA, who govern women's tennis. And you could look at a whole lot of issues within China, but most sports organisations turn a blind eye for the reasons we've mentioned, and that is money. But you also go to India. You have a look at the class system in India, where you've got the Dalits, who are the lowest form of class in India. And you've got five social classes in India. And so you've pretty much got the haves and the have-nots You've got the untouchables, descendants of slaves or prisoners. You've got the sudras, represented the great bulk of the Indian population. You've got the vasia, the common caste. You've got the kastriya, the warrior caste, and then you've got the brahmams, the priestly caste. Um, But it's a form of apartheid, however way you want to look at it. Absolute discrimination. Yet we have no problem, do we? We don't seem to have the alarm bells ring when it comes to trade, when it comes to sport that are perhaps associated with the likes of Saudi Arabia. It's amazing how we are not... Bra- yeah, we are probably brainwashed. There was a lot of propaganda that we fed that Allows us to consciously or subconsciously justify the actions of one country, and absolutely castigate the same actions of another country, and so should there be politics and sport? Oh eight hundred one five zero eight double one. Hi Joey. Oh, he's not there yet. Okay, I just thought we had Joey there on the phone, but he's not there yet. We'll bring him to ear in one moment. Uh, just going back to the little topic that I brought up with Alice Soper, former Black Ferns, very much a feminist, not happy with no women being appointed as part of the coaching setup for the Black Ferns going forward. Doesn't understand a thing called merit, clearly. But I think what actually frustrates me more is the way the media in this country want to stir the pot. They all go to Alice Soper. They know what they're going to get from her, and they want to t- turn a really simple appointment into a political argument, and again, about women's rights. you know, News Hub did it. TV One did it. This article's in the New Zealand Herald. They just have to stir the pot, don't they? And you go to the person you know you're going to get the greatest reaction from. I find that incredibly frustrating. Hi, Joey. Yeah,
0: good Mark. The self belief with the Warriors will be huge if they beat the, the Cowboys. You know, because they've, they've struggled against the um, the Melbourne Storm for the last few years. You know, I can't remember the last time the Warriors beat the Storm. It's been a while. And the self belief they'll get will be we can go. We can go even better than top eight. We can go top four, you know. But they have to because you're dead right. If they if they happen to get beat on the on the weekend, um, then your be, their belief probably is they won't. You don't say it, but it's always in the back of your mind. Oh, we haven't beaten Melbourne. Mel, you know, Melbourne come off a good win. Say they roll Manly tonight, you know. And and that's the the issue in the back of your mind that you have as a footballer or as, as, a, as a as a player, you know. Still trying, obviously, and it's obviously put a good performance in Mark. You know, it's like anything. If um, if if you put a great, real hard performance in, and you, and, and, and you know, and you get beat, you get beat by a better side. That's fair enough. That's why I think a lot of um, you know, the supporters and me, me with Brisbane as well. You know, we got beat the other week by Canberra, but hey, they put the effort in. They just didn't win it, you know. And, and that's just just how it is. You're not going to win every game, but it is massive for the Warriors, I think. Uh, for their season, to keep on that roll, you know, and if they can beat the Cowboys, they will go into playing the Melbourne game massively more more confident, without
2: a doubt. Yeah, look, I agree with that. I mean, I know, okay, well, this is the seventh round, we're four and two, but wouldn't it be great to finish next weekend six and two, and the amount of pressure that suddenly takes off? If you drop tomorrow's game, lose next week, you've lost three on the trot, and then I think the fears start to come back into. Warriors fans minds and winning is a habit and it'll be a true test of this Warriors team to be able to maybe dig themselves out of that hole. Now you'd hope that they could but I guess we've all been burnt so badly by the last three or four years I think most fans will be sitting at home with somewhat paranoid (laughs) and going from believers to going oh no here we go and you know just just for those hardcore Warriors fans look I just firstly hope they get the job done tomorrow I I mean you know it's a Cowboys team that on paper is the same side that made the top four last year Um, they haven't been good so far through six rounds but you know it's going to come. When you look at Valentine Holmes, you look at Peter Heku, Chad Townsend. I mean, you go right through it. Uh, Jeremiah Nunai, Jason Tomalolo It's a good side on paper. They're going to click at some point. Hopefully, it's not tomorrow.
0: Yeah, but also Mark too. You, you, like you said, with the whole you, as your Warriors fans and your, and your Warriors players, you don't you don't cre- you don't want to create that hole that that you know where you've been beaten three three in a row. No team does. Because that does get your confidence a little bit down. You know, you want to go there and go, we can roll these guys. We rolled them in the in round two, or, or, and we can roll them again. You know, they're, they're not they're, they're beatable easily, and we can do it because we've done it before. And if you go going with that mindset, you, you're, you know, you're three quarters of the way there. Yeah, I, I, they're, I, I, they're going up.
2: Joey, I just guess as fans, and we're all we're just a bit jittery, aren't we, because of the last three or four years? And look, they did beat them comfortably when they played them earlier on and if they can come out and play that same way tomorrow in front of 20 odd thousand people then I think it could be you know a key moment in the season for them. Joey lovely to have you on the program do appreciate it Cliff I'll get you to just hold the line I do have to take some sports news and weather so Cliff if you can just be patient there are spare lines if you'd like to phone the program 0800 150811 you can text us here on 8833. Must be my cue uh, just some texts that are coming I was just reading those but we'll go to Cliff who's been waiting patiently hi Cliff
3: yeah, good afternoon. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thank you. I, I, I'm just reading a wee, an article that's popped up from the All Blacks. The Cadbury uh, Dairy Milk has become a supporting partner of New Zealand rugby and the All Blacks through 2023. And there's a picture of three All Blacks getting a a, a chocolate out of a pack, bag, and I'm thinking, hey, where's the ferns? Why are they not in there? You know, why is Cadbury's coming in behind the All Blacks, but not the Ferns. No picture of any of the girls. And I'm thinking that's a bit bit tough. They win the World Cup and Cadbury comes in and supports the All Blacks and New Zealand Rugby, but no Ferns on it. Well, the the, the the
2: reality is, Cliff, outside of the Rugby World Cup, and I think we saw it in Alpaki Super Rugby, contrary to what some people might have us believe, there's just not an audience for it. They just don't play enough. Um, and I'm not sure that you're going to get the audiences and cut through unless you've got the World World Cup hovering above them. Um, as I say, we can try and we can try and manufacture the interest all we want, but clearly um, Cadbury believe that they can probably cross, you know, get across both men and women consumers by simply just sponsoring the All Blacks.
3: Yeah, well, it certainly looks that way that that uh, they're not really interested in women's rugby. It's a bit, you know, I'm just thinking about the the women's football team that's been touring around the world playing lots of games before the World Cup, and I'm thinking, boy, the New Zealand men's team never got that in the last two or three World Cups, the ability to play anything. New Zealand never played a game for about a year and a half, Mm, mm. the the New Zealand football men's team, and uh, they never played Australia for years. And I'm thinking, how does Mm. How does New Zealand – where does all this football money come from that's been thrown into behind the ladies? Well, it comes from FIFA. Look, it does
2: does come from FIFA. So FIFA do divvy up um, the profits from the FIFA World Cup, and they do put a lot of money into the region's – Um, and clearly there's a lot more money if you can end up making a World Cup on both the men's and women's side. But look, I don't have a problem with them putting most of their money into the women's game, because I think that we've probably got a better chance of performing internationally in women's football than we have probably in the men's side, simply because I just think there's so much greater depth on the men's side, I think it's a lot more competitive. But we've actually got to get the right coaches in place, and this team's actually got to start doing it, and they're not doing it, and the coach should be Sackcliffe.
3: Yeah, that's right. Just just want to touch on about the cricket. Mm. Now, the New Zealand cricket team. You know, we played England here. Baseball was the thing that was huge. All the mm. talk after the, you know, we had the, we won the World Championship and played three Test matches in England, and we won the World Champs after beating a couple of other sides as well. England came here after we hadn't played any cricket in New Zealand for about eight weeks. Played, we'd been touring around Pakistan and India. We came home and did nothing. And then in England, England arrived and played two test matches, one a pink ball. I went to the game at the Basin, and it was, it was blooming busy. It was packed, sold out. Lots of English people there coming over and, and others from local. And then everyone was saying, why is there not another test match? Why are, are all these people from England come all the way over for two weeks? It was a real letdown, and I, David White needs to get in, get on your show and tell us what is New Zealand cricket's agenda for going ahead.
2: Oh, no, Cliff, yeah, nice call, but it's not just New Zealand cricket, it's New Zealand rugby, we're the fans, and boy, don't we get treated badly. There is always just such an air of suspicion, uh, the relationship between the customer and the governing body. Sport is about entertainment. You are nothing without the people. And there needs to be greater communication. There needs to be, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Greater clarity, more openness from our major sports organisations. And our media need to start asking the hard questions. Stop writing opinion pieces and actually get in and ask the hard questions. Cliff, lovely to have you on the programme. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I'm going to take a break and then I'm going to come back and read some very good texts, but the lines are open 0800 150811. You can text the program double eight double that is the Tempa Bedpost text machine. Looking forward to having your company. Fourteen and a half minutes away from one o'clock. Carl Tanana will join us on the program after one. We will go to Apia in Samoa because Moana Pacifica take on the Reds in Samoa. That game is set to go at five minutes after four. Great occasion, great opportunity for Samoa. They love their code up there. Very, very warm, and ironically, it might actually suit the Queensland Reds, remembering that Moana Pacifica's home is actually Mount Smart Stadium. And so you automatically assume, well, They'll be used to the heat, but clearly they're not. Queensland will be. I actually think Moana Pacifica will end up actually getting their first win. I think the occasion and the emotion will get them across the line. They've been in the contest in most of their Super Rugby matches through the first 40 minutes. Have just haven't been able to hold it together in the second 40. Will today be their day? So, Carlton after one. Richie Blackmore, and I'm not talking about the guitarist out of Deep Purple or Rainbow, Former Kiwi International League great will join us after 3 o'clock. Want to get his thoughts on this Warriors-Queensland Cowboys game set to go tomorrow, 5 o'clock. Live coverage here on SENZ. How important is this match in the context of their season? Don't want to drop this one, then having to play Melbourne next week, who are just starting to find their form. You go from a three and one record just a couple of weeks ago to suddenly finding yourself. Or well, three and two. Sorry, was it? No, it was a four and one record. Suddenly it's four and two. You don't want to be four and three, and the next week, suddenly four and four. Because then everybody starts to get a little bit jittery. This is a team that goes better when they play with confidence. Texts that have come in. Watto, Warriors needed to beat the Knights last week. Yeah, look, they did, but they were clearly tired, and don't underestimate the travel factor there. I think that was always going to come. But they're back home. Hopefully they've had an easy week. And that's not an issue. Hey, mate, it is the New Zealand... Is it the New Zealand Warriors? And if so, when did the New Zealand remove the Auckland even more so, if they include another New Zealand based team, do they become New Zealand? Thanks, Jordan. Well, it's not the New Zealand Warriors, is it? I always just thought it was the Warriors. The New Zealand was something that the Australian commentators sort of put on it to almost I, I always felt it was done with just this sort of little bit of nastiness. Well, you should win. You're a New Zealand team. Does it really affect you though? If it's the New Zealand Warriors, the Auckland Warriors, and what happens if there is another New Zealand team? But I agree. I mean, it should be the Auckland Warriors. They are based in Auckland. It was the Mount Albert Club that, a lot along with John Ackland and Co, that sort of lit the initial spark. Another um, text. Hi Watto. What some of these warrior zealots conveniently forget is the Warriors have played only the Roosters and maybe the Sharks when it comes to two top eight sides. These people are misguided if they think the Warriors are going to make the top eight. That comes from Steve. Well, let's get the thoughts of um, Sam on that one because Sam has been calling them. He tends to follow it a little bit closer than I do. But Sam, the text there from Steve that really the only this Warriors side hasn't really been tested this season that the only two decent sides have actually played are the Roosters and the Sharks
1: well that's probably easy to say when um, the competition is so tight so I mean the Roosters were um, people's premiership favourites to start the season you've got to remember that with the squad that they have Um, it's easy to say now that teams have sort of you know no one expected the Broncos to be where they are or the Dolphins so um, you know easy first round match up the Knights uh, then we lose to the Roosters in round two which we probably should have won could have won Um, the Cowboys like you mentioned are basically a top four team um, from last year that's that's carried on over the Bulldogs I think probably should be doing better than they are this year tough grinding win against them the Sharks <laughs> they're going to be a top four team I'd imagine as well oh, with look, Nico Hines so yeah. I think it's easy to look at and go oh because the Sharks aren't in the top eight because the Roosters aren't firing how they have been that these have just been easy yeah. wins but these are going to be yeah. some of the best teams in the competition
2: Yeah, look. And but I'm, the benchmark is still no, the storm and in Penrith
1: etc and Steve I appreciate
2: you texting in mate and as I said it's, it's it's a good discussion point but I probably disagree with you too I just think this NRL competition even the Tigers I think anybody can beat anybody they're capable of it and teams that are winning in the first six weeks could be losing in the last six weeks they could be
1: and so you disagree with me or disagree with Steve oh Steve yeah yeah, I disagree no I think it's
2: it's just such a wonderful competition and, yeah. and there's no easy games in it it's like the English Premier League yes you, you get later in the year there'll always be the Penrith Panthers who will probably win 80% of their games um, but you get that in every competition. You get that statistical outlier, mm-hmm. but
1: the bulk of it is fairly even. Yeah, and we're talking but about. Even, but even the Panthers can get tipped up a couple of but, injuries away. Well, they, they, get have tipped this, up. they have this year already. Yeah. They've already lost two games this year. Well, yeah, one. Well, definitely lost one game. They might lost two. Um, they're definitely not the side they were last year. But um, the other thing as well is we're just talking about top eight. What? And you know to make the top eight, you've got to win fifty percent of your games. Yeah,
2: but I, I, see this, this target that we want to make the top eight. I mean, all it well, does no, is extend your
1: season by a week. Yeah, but that's that, got to be careful because that is a fan-driven narrative. The coaches never say our goal is to make the top eight. They always say our goal is to win well, a no, competition. that's not true
2: because last year, um, who no, no. coached the Warriors last Nathan year? Nathan Brown. Nathan Brown came out at one point and said our goal is to make the top eight.
1: No, I've never heard in in recent times. No, I think you've
2: misconstrued. No, I remember
1: coming out and saying, Mm. "No, hang on a minute. We're already lowered our standards. We just want to make the eight. No, no. So any any coach I've and I've talked to, I talked to Nathan Brown last year and the year before as well. And the line they might use is the the bare minimum is to make the top eight. That is a that is a sort of tick in the box. But we're not here to make up numbers. We're here to win a competition. I've never heard a coach say. I know we're not going to win, so we just want to make the top eight, and and I think that's quite a fan led narrative that oh if we make the top eight that's a successful mm. season for us because you know got to be realistic etc. So but but my point is that um, the text from Steve saying oh you know they're not going to make the top eight you only have to win fifty percent of the game so sure you might not beat Penrith you might not beat Melbourne you might not beat the Sharks but you if you're beating the Tigers the Bulldogs the Knights the Raiders you know all these teams that are going to be vying for that sort of seven six seven eight position. Well then you're a chance Yeah
2: fascinating We're set to go 5 o'clock Sammy and uh, Kempi with the call tomorrow Live here on SENZ uh, As I said we are going to Catch up with Richie Blackmore After 3 o'clock get his thoughts on this Carl Tanana out of Apia after 1 We're also going to talk a little bit of water polo The New Zealand Secondary Schools Water Polo Championships Is underway at the moment it's in Christchurch this year A big competition, getting bigger and bigger. Tough game, water polo. I don't know if anybody's ever played it, watched a lot of it. Man, it is hard aerobically. Physical, gladiatorial combination of sort of futsal, come basketball. Uh, You very much play around the perimeter. Um, 30 seconds in possession. Suddenly you're sort of having to swim back defensively, come forward. Egg-beater, kick, people trying to drown you. And top schools historically do come out of Auckland, though we have seen a rise in performance from Tauranga. Hamilton Boys High School, uh, I think Sacred Heart of Auckland won the North Island Championships, St. beads won the South Island Championships on the girls' side. Well, it's, all, it's really just diocesan here in Auckland. However, they were beaten last year by Rangitoto. So we'll talk to Fabian Van Roy from Waterpolo New Zealand after two o'clock. Al Tanana out of Apia after one o'clock. We'll talk Moana Pacifica taking on the Queensland Reds. We'll catch up with the GM of the Auckland Tuatara basketball team, Regan Wood. It is round two of the NBL. They take on the Taranaki Mountaineers. Already had the one win over the Nelson Giants to kick the season off. We'll find out a little bit about running a basketball franchise. Coming up after two, we'll talk some water polo. Richie Blackmore, rugby league great on the Warriors, North Queensland Cowboys on the show between three and four. Looking forward to having your company. Telephone number is 0800 150. You can text us here on A one f-